Hello, hello, hello there. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the first episode of a brand new podcast. My name is James Yevon. Some of you may remember me from when I used to do Life in Pinstripes, good old times. This time we're taking things a little bit differently. This is a new podcast called Yevon's Takes. We're going to be talking about it all. We're going to be talking about sports. We could talk about life, anything that might require a hot take, something that may be a little bit controversial. So if you want something a little bit more controversial from someone who is 26 years old and has been through a good amount of things in life, sit back and relax because we got a whole lot to talk about. First of all, let's start off with the date. It is currently Wednesday, August 11th. So we're through the hot, hot days of August right now. We're having a heat wave coming on. MLB has a lot of hot heat in the divisions going on. We're gonna take it little, little, little by little. And I have a little bit of an interesting perspective about MLB because as you may know, things have been changing around the sport for a very, very long time. Some of it's for the worst. Some of it are ideas that I can't agree with, but we're going to get there in one second. First of all, we're going to start things off in what has been a lot of tight divisions around around baseball. We're gonna start off with the the kings of the East, the beasts of the East. We're gonna start off with the American League East with my personal favorite team, the New York Yankees. Yes, the New York Yankees. I know a bunch of other MLB fan bases are very, very happy of how underwhelming this team has been this entire season. It's definitely been a different pace for me being a Yankees fan, watching a team that I know is equipped with so much talent. But for them to be so unbelievably underwhelming is definitely something I would never, ever expect in my lifetime. But then again, that might be just be me being a spoiled Yankee fan and then witnessing 20 straight winning seasons. They literally haven't had a losing season even before I was born. Last time they had the losing season was back in the early 90s. Now, let me get this straight. I was born in 1995, so winning seems to be a very, very common thing with this team. This year is a little little bit different, but you know what? We're not going to be talking about the Yankees the entire time. We're going to talk about the other teams because this may be a four-team battle in the American League East. We're going to take things to the top with the guys who seemed every year to never disappoint and always find a way to be on top, and that's the team with the lowest payroll. That would be the Tampa Bay Rays. Not the Devil Rays. The Tampa Bay Rays. The Tampa Bay Rays. They seem to always find a way to find some player on the streets of Tampa Bay or streets anywhere and somehow make him into a superstar player. Now, don't get me wrong. They were a very good team before they got Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz obviously has taken them over the edge. But these are the guys who seem to find a way to win games. Do a little bit of the small ball. Uh, Wanda Franco is actually a very, very good player. I, I know he's still just trying to get used to being in the big leagues, but you know what? Give the kid some time. He just called up. Think of the pressure that he's feeling being the number one overall prospect in all of baseball, and now he's actually having the opportunity to show what kind of skills he's got. So give the kid a break. He's going to heat up. He's going to learn. Everyone learns in the big league level, and they find a way to end up being good from there. So the Tampa Bay Rays, well, they're in first place. They were not, they were around second place for a good chunk of the season. It's been like a back and forth battle between them and the surprise Boston Red Sox. And 
Remember back in April when they were a very, very streaky team, literally blowing fans away, blowing fans like me, just absolutely just playing incredible amounts of baseball. J.D. Martinez, after a huge down year during the COVID year, has come back to be back into his MVP format, even though he's been struggling a little bit during this recent cold streak, which I did not expect at all. I think one of the things is, I don't think the Red Sox actually did enough during the trade deadline. I think one of the biggest problems that they have is starting pitching because you don't have to worry about the offense. The offense has always been solid. Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, Verdugo is having a very solid season. J.D. Martinez, obviously. I always like the, um, the acquisition of Kike Hernandez. He's been a very good pickup for them. And it just seems like that they've been going into a downward spiral. Losing that big series in Tropicana Field against the Rays a couple of weeks ago, that was definitely the the beginnings of the onset of what has been a very, very bad cold streak. They end up losing in Tampa Bay. They go to Toronto, having a chance to, to put the Blue Jays down. And they actually lost. They were able to win a couple of games, but they lost some really bad games, especially that Sunday game when they were up 7-2. And then they blow it, giving giving them some momentum, and George Springer has been really good for the Blue Jays. He's definitely starting to warm up, which is a good thing if the Blue Jays actually still want a chance at the division. But yeah, the Red Sox, they've been going into a downward spiral. It should be interesting what is going to happen with them because I think one of the reasons why the Red Sox were actually so good is that Alex Cora is back as manager. Now, now, I know the whole thing with the Houston Astros cheating scandal. We'll, we'll talk about that another time because I can go on into another rant about that. But you know what? All of this happened four years ago. So I know at some point I'm going to have to forgive and never forget. That's just me being a humble baseball fan who holds grudges. But then again, sometimes you just got to let things go. Got to win things the old, old-fashioned way. But anyway... Um, Alex Cora coming back to the Red Sox was definitely a good move on their part, helping this team become a second place team. And right now they are leading the AL wildcard spot, although they definitely, definitely want to win that division because it's going to be a very, very tight division towards the end. And we all know those fans from in Beantown, they're very hungry for another division title. They won the division in 2016. They won the division in 2017. Now, of course, they won their division in the 2018 year when they won it all. That was something that they had back in 2018, led by AL MVP Mookie Betts. But they're looking for another AL division title in 2021. So we got about 50 games left. So the AL East is definitely going to be one interesting race to look at. Everyone's going to say it's a three-team race. Do not count out those Blue Jays. Since I work at MLB Network, they assign me a game in which I log. And I usually get very excited at the games that they give me an opportunity to. Because especially at a time where pennant chases are going to start heating up. You can start to feel start to feel the hot, the, the battles, the rivalries starting to form. The fight, the grit. That wants to get that wants that team to punch that ticket to the postseason in October, you could definitely feel it. Especially one game yesterday what was it? It was the Dodgers and the Phillies, and I was first of all I was very ecstatic to get a game like that because it's not very often I get a Dodger game, 
And the Phillies have been absolutely scorching hot, which we're going to talk about the next division, and that is the National League East. And for, for literally from span of May to now, so about three months, it looked like the division was going to be heading back to flushing. That's right. The New York Mets looked like they were going to run, well, not really run away with the division, but it looked like they had a good opportunity to actually bring a title back to to flushing. But the problem is is that the National League East not going to lie is dreadful. It is so bad. Every team has had its flaws. Even the Mets, even though they were leading the division at one point, their flaws was definitely well shown. And it was definitely shown over the last 10 games or so. I'm telling you, I don't know what is going on, but it's it's going to be it's going to be a tight finish. I know a lot of people want to give up on the Mets. I'm one of those people. I will say this. When I went to a Yankees and Mets game on July 3rd at Yankee Stadium, I went with my dad. We got some very good seats. Got some right field seats. The Mets looked like they were something else, that team. Taiwan Walker, before he got named to the All-Star game, was pitching a no-hitter into the sixth inning. The Mets offense was taking off led by... Dominic Smith at one point. It looked like they were finally starting to build a another culture with this team. And something that has been lacking after they were after they were in the World Series in 2015, which they narrowly won because they lost in five games against the eventual 2015 champ Kansas City Royals. Very good team there. But anyway, the National League East, the Mets. They can't hit right now. They have been atrocious the last week. Losing three out of four from the Marlins. Now, what is all that about? If you want to win the division, what do, what is one thing that good teams are supposed to do? The good teams are supposed to demolish the horrible, horrible teams like the Miami Marlins. Yes, the Miami Marlins went to the postseason last year, but that was last year. This year, it looks like they're back to square one, which is kind of shocking, honestly. Well, not shocking because it's the Marlins. No offense to them. But how do you lose three out of four to the Marlins? The Marlins were literally selling people at the deadline. They got rid of Starling Marte. They got rid of, um, uh, what's his name? Adam Duvall, who went to the Braves. Come on, they're... They have too many people short. They don't have a whole lot of talent coming up, and hopefully one day they'll be able to pick things up again. But losing at three out of four? Come on! That can't happen, especially if you guys were heading off to Philadelphia to face the streaky Phillies, who at one point were on a hot winning streak, beating the Nationals, coming back, finding ways to win games again. The Joe Girardi mentality looks like it's taking over in Philly. And that's a sight you definitely would love to see if you're a Philadelphia Phillies fan. And I'm not just saying that because Joe Girardi was a former manager of the Yankees. I'm telling you, the Phillies, they made some good moves at the deadline. They got exactly what they needed. They needed pitching. Their bullpen was absolutely atrocious. They didn't have quality starting pitching. Zach Wheeler so far has shown that he's the ace of the staff now. Not Aaron Nolan, who looked like he was having a little bit of a down year. Although he did pitch well in the game that I was logging yesterday. But anyway, the point is is that the Phillies made moves. 
The Phillies made the moves that they need in order to stay afloat in this division. So did the Braves. You would think after Ronald Acuna tearing his ACL would be the beginning of the end for the 2021 Atlanta Braves. Well, think again. They made the exact moves that they needed to make in order to stay on top of the division. Now, here's the thing. All the teams in the East, they all want the division because there's no way that they're going to go for the wild card. The wild card is going to be run by teams in the National League West and the Cincinnati Reds. Let's talk about the Braves. Like I said before, we thought they were done. Acuna, easily one of the most exciting players in Major League Baseball, tears his ACL trying to make a great catch in Miami back in July. So what do the Braves do? We can sit down, we can pad, we can be like, oh yeah, this season's all done. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. If you even have a slight chance at making a division, you make the moves. You get a guy like Jack Peterson. You get a guy like Jorge Soler. You get a guy like Adam Duvall. You guys get the necessities, the reinforcements in order to keep afloat at this division. I got to say, the Braves, they were good winners. They were winners at the trade deadline. They made the exact moves they needed to make. And they look like they could actually make a pretty good squad. Considering the first half of the season was consisting of them barely able to reach the 500 mark. Now that they're actually finally above 500, they actually overtook second place because of the Mets' really, really bad funk over the last week. It's been a whole up and down scenario in the net in the National League East. Phillies are currently leading division are currently leading the division right now. The Braves are in second, and the Mets fall in third right now. They got their game suspended yesterday, but they were losing to the Washington Nationals. I literally thought at the beginning of the season the Nationals were going to be easily one of the t- favorites to win the National League East. They get moves like they get Josh Bell. You have another year of Max Scherzer. Another year of Trey Turner. Juan Soto is proving himself to be one of the best young players in the game. It's amazing how in a stretch of 100 games or so, how everything changes so unbelievably quickly. It's not just the National League East. It's all over Major League Baseball. The Nationals are in a full rebuild mode now. So they are currently fourth place in the National League East. With literally, hopefully having a plan in the future. Obviously, this is Juan Soto's team now. It is very clear. Think about the pressure of a 22-year-old leading this team. I think it's possible. Soto is a great player. He definitely has a bright future ahead of him. He's got, he's got the swag. He's got the good swing. He, he has a World Series title under his belt. I don't think the Nationals, they also got some really, really good prospects from the Max Scherzer and Trey Turner deal to the Dodgers. Because, of course, you guys get players like Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. You're going to have to give up some high-end quality, high-end quality prospects in which they did. So that'll be very interesting to see what's going to happen in D.C. And yeah, the National League East, it may be a three-team race. Don't count out the Mets yet. But then again, 
if they are continuing this downward spiral, and one of the biggest things that Mets fans should be not too pleased about is their lack of fight in the trade deadline. You lose Jacob DeGrom, who could have won MVP if he didn't hurt himself. He's probably not pitching until September. We don't know the status of Noah Syndergaard. Marcus Stroman has not been himself since the first half. Taiwan Walker has not won a game since the All-Star break. Not to mention, he looks like he's also getting a little bit fatigued too because of the injuries that he had prior. Let's talk about the new guy who is currently injured, Mr. Francisco Lindor. I thought he would have been a good fit in pinstripes. Not gonna lie. You pair him with Glaber Torres and DJ LeMahieu, probably would have fit well. But clearly, playing in New York is a lot different than playing in a small market like Cleveland. You know what? Sometimes you got to say to yourself, what would it be like to play in a big market? New York, Boston, Los Angeles, Chicago. Think about the pressure. The spotlight is all going to be on them for 162 games. And for Lindor, the spotlight is going to be on him for the next 10 seasons. Signing that ridiculous $340 million contract at the beginning of the season. Mets fans cheering beyond belief. Not only did they get Lindor, they also got Carlos Carrasco too, which I thought was a really, really good deal too. That guy's got guts. That guy has been through cancer. He's been not too bad so far, but then again, he's also coming off an injury that he sustained at spring training. So give him a couple more starts. He'll eventually start heating up again. Also, I do not understand why they got Javier Baez. I understand they wanted to add more pop to the lineup, but they should add more pop to a lineup to a position that is needed the most. Infield is definitely not one of those things that they need. It would make sense to trade for Javier Baez if Lindor was out for the season. But yes, we all know what he provides. He provides a spark. Very good hitting. Sometimes. He can be streaky sometimes. There are times where he, he can hit the ball out of the ballpark, and then there are times where he swings and misses on a pitch that's literally low in a way that's heading towards the dugout. But I never really understood that move. Infield was definitely not one of the problems. You got J.D. Davis at third, who may have an opportunity to start heating up again. Obviously, you got Lindor at short. Second base, you got McNeil. First base, you can have... Obviously, you can tandem. You could do Alonzo, or you can do Dominic Smith if he does not want to play in the outfield. But their biggest priority should have been pitching. Because, like I said, no one knows what's going to happen with DeGrom. Yes, DeGrom has been fantastic this season before he got injured. But if he's not coming back until September with the Mets in a pennant race, why didn't they go for a guy like Barrios? Obviously, Max Scherzer does not want to play with a division team, which I totally understand. But losing Barrios, I think that really, really hurt their team badly. And it just seems like their culture, their mentality is non-existent. They are currently playing like the Yankees were playing in the first half of the season. And it's kind of funny in the first half of the season how the two teams in New York literally swapped places. The Mets were like the king of New York, and the Yankees were losing games like the Mets were in the past. 
The Yankees were losing games that they should have not been losing, and the Mets were literally going, we're the king of New York. We're going to run this town, flushing all the way. But man, it's amazing what a few games can do, or what a stretch can do. But yeah, National League East, both teams in the East, keep your eyes out. It may get saucy towards the end. Keep those eyes out. Tampa Bay is leading the American League East, and in the National League East is the Philadelphia Phillies. If you guys are tuning in now, this is the inaugural episode of Yevin's Takes. My name is James Yevin. Used to do a little bit of podcasting around the corner. Now a grad student, now enjoying life, and especially talking about his favorite sport of all, baseball. Don't worry, we're going to talk about some other things too along the way. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about football. You're going to have to stick around. You're going to have to listen. So the East is definitely going to be something else. Let's take things to the West. The wild, wild West. Where do we start off? How about we start off in the mo- one of the most exciting races of them all, the National League West. That's right. We thought it was going to be a back and forth battle between the Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Diego Padres. Fun fact, I want the San Diego Padres to win the World Series because I like their team. But a third team out there in the Bay Area was like, no, 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 no. We want to be in contention with them. And they're still surprising us every day. The San Francisco Giants. The San Francisco Giants are a juggernaut. They are a fantastic team. Up and down, one through nine. Pitching is good. Bullpen is pretty good, too. They are currently have one of the best records in all of baseball. I think they're one out of... They might be the only team that has 70 wins right now. So you definitely want to keep your eyes out there in the Bay Area. They're running away with this division right now. They have a four-game lead over the Los Angeles Dodgers, who it's kind of crazy that we're thinking how deep the Dodgers are, and yet they're not in first place. Think of it this way. On paper, you guys got Bellinger, Betts, Pujols, Trey Turner, Max Scherzer, uh, Chris Taylor. Man, I can name them all and it's just be like, how are these guys in second place? If you put this lineup at MLB The Show, you will easily win World Series and World Series if you do franchise mode back to back like this. But man. But then again, Mookie Betts has been injured. Cody Bellinger looks horrible at the plate, by the way. I don't know if, it, if it's an injury that's hurting his swing, but he just looks lost at the plate. He's not hitting above 200. He only has seven home runs. He has four doubles. He's batting 175, and he looks like he's having the most difficult time trying to put the bat to the ball. Now... It's hard to say because Cody Belger did win MVP in 2019, and he also won Rookie of the Year in 2017 with the Dodgers going to the World Series in 2017. But I have no idea what's going on with Cody Bellinger. Fun fact, he is about nine days older than me. But anyway, that's not the point. But the thing is, Bellinger looks bad at the plate. He needs to make some kind of adjustment. That swing of his, I've always personally never been a big fan of his swing. He literally looks like he's standing so tall at the plate when he has the bat like this. And then he literally looks like he's trying to swing like at a golf ball every time he hits the ball. 
So, obviously, if it's been working for him and he's at the major league level, kudos to him. But something's got to change with him. If the Dodgers want to make even a chance at the division to catch the Giants, they're going to have to do something different. They're going to need to move things around because this team is so incredibly deaf. And man, look at their pitching. They got Max Scherzer. Of course, when you get a guy like Max Scherzer who has that mentality that I would always want in a baseball player, someone who fights, someone who gets pumped every time that he gets the big strikeout that he needs. I remember one of my favorite Max Scherzer moments was back in the 2013 American League Division Series against the Oakland A's. I think the Oakland A's in the top of the eighth inning, I don't know what game it was, but there was bases loaded, nobody out. The Tigers were holding on to a one-run lead. Bringing in Scherzer, he strikes out the first two guys and then gets the guy to fly out to left center field. And you could just see that pump, that grit, and him just like screaming like, I just can't believe I pulled the Houdini act. That is a player I've always wanted on my team. So the Dodgers got very lucky on this one. Yeah, they got, to get ri- they got rid of a couple of prospects, but the Dodgers also stole the Max Scherzer deal. Max Scherzer was supposed to be going to the San Diego Padres at one point. And we're going to get to the Padres in one second because on paper, their starting rotation is nasty. But some pitchers have not lived to the expectations. Blake Snell, we're going to get to that in one second. But the Dodgers still have a chance to make a run. The Giants having four-game lead. Chris Bryant was a fantastic move by them all around. Because Chris Bryant is a former World Series winner, former MVP, can play multiple positions, by the way. He could play third. He could play all the outfield spots. Not to mention, he doesn't do it horribly. He plays every position to heart. He he does it so well. He's the perfect fit for the Giants right now. But man, I've always wanted Chris Bryant. I thought Chris Bryant was always a good player. Even in his years when he was slumping, Chris Bryant... He brought some jolt to the Cubbies, which we're going to talk about in like about one second or so. Because the Cubbies, I've never been so sad at watching three players change a franchise, all get traded, literally within a couple of days. I think the one, thank you Cubbies for Rizzo, but man, just the thought of like this was the team that won it all in 2016. And now Rizzo's with the Yanks, Brian's with the... With the um, Giants and Baez is with the Cubbies or not oh, I'm sorry the Mets he was on the Cubbies but now he's on the Mets but oh man that really really hurt I'm not a Cubs fan but I feel for you Cubs fans I mean I've always been a huge fan of David Ross I think he's a really really good manager I think he knows how to work a lineup I think he knows how to to help the young players become successful so I wouldn't be too Two down on David Ross because it's not his fault that his team is struggling. But watch out, Cubbies. Don't worry. I think you guys will come back. I don't think you're going to have to wait another 108 years for another World Series title. But oh, let's see. We talked about the Giants. We talked about the Dodgers. Let's talk about the Padres. Man, the Padres, they are fun to watch. Yes, they're a little bit less fun after Fernando Tatis Jr. got injured back in late July against the Rockies. But Manny Machado has been lifting this team. 
I can't believe I'm even saying this too because Manny Machado, not going to lie, I was never a fan of Manny Machado. Not for what he does on the field, but his attitude and his off-the-field antics have always been an issue for me. But right now, what he's doing on the field for this team, trying to push and push for a playoff spot, is nothing short of amazing. He has above 20 home runs. He has over 75 RBIs. He's lifting this ball club up. Jake Cronenworth has been something else too. I've never heard of this guy until this year. But man, he is he's turning some heads right now. It looks like he wants to be part of the Padres' future. Think of it this way. Machado at third. Tatis at short. Cronenworth at second. And Hosmer at first. What a good team right there. Hong Song Kim, you put him on the bench, he could play anywhere. This Padres team should be a lot better than what the record should be. I'm surprised that the Padres are not even leading the National League West. Although the Dodgers should also be leading the National League West. But man, baseball is something else. Baseball is a whole lot different than what you think. On paper, you would think those two teams would be leading the West. But man, the Giants, those Giants, they're good. They're really good. They don't have like those big name superstar players. Although Brandon Crawford has been amazing this season. Brandon Crawford was always struggling with trying to get the ball into the air, which is understandable because um, Oracle Park now used to be AT&T Park, but Oracle Park now was always been a pitcher's, pitcher's field because of that large, large tri- uh, triples alley and right center field and of course, you got McCovey Cove like, with the water just like coming in. You wouldn't think that the Giants would be this good this year. They got guys like Wilmer Flores. They got guys like um, Darren Ruff, who's been really good. Alex Dickerson. Who would have thought? I just named a couple of players on the Giants. And yet they've been so good this year. The Giants have also been doing very good at taking care of opponents in the West. Because you cannot, even though the Rockies and the very, very lowly Diamondbacks, the Giants have been taking care of business. And what's one thing that good teams are supposed to do? Good teams are supposed to really destroy the bad teams. I know that is horrible to say, but that is life. And that's what you got to do if you want to be successful in the majors. It is August 11th. And man... I should be getting pumped for Major League Baseball. But of course, football is around the corner. Lots and lots of questions have to be answered for before kickoff next month. My Giants, I still have high hopes for them. You really think they should be one of the top teams in the NFC East? But man, it's not going to be another very shabby, not a very good year out there in the East Coast for the NFC East. Cowboys, average at best, maybe. Giants, hopefully better than they were last season. The Washington football team, should be interesting what they see. Their defense were was really good last season, though. That really helped into a division title. And the Eagles, well... Not a fan of the Eagles. Never was a fan of the Eagles, especially after that stunt they did last year. But, I don't know. Keep your eyes out. Fantasy football is around the corner. Keeping my eyes out on that. 
should be very, very interesting to see what happens out there in the NFL. Obviously, preseason games are getting underway. Uh, in the NBA, Russell Westbrook is now joining the Lakers, becoming part of a big three team. Never was a big fan of super teams to begin with. Giannis has got my respect and loyalty. But man, this is something else this year. 2021 in sports is definitely going to be something to keep an eye out, especially as we head into the the final months of 2021 into 2022. Baseball has been amazing so far this season, and I think it's only bound to get better as time goes along. But I think I still believe a few changes need to be made in Major League Baseball. Let me start off with one of a couple of things that's been annoying me for the last two seasons. The extra runner on second base in extra innings. Last time I checked, I'm watching a Major League Baseball game. I'm not watching a Little League game. I really think that it takes away the strategy to try to get runners on base in second in on second base, especially when it starts in the tenth. Baseball is all about strategy. Baseball is all about trying to find new ways to take the lead. I remember one of my former professors at Connecticut School of Broadcasting is he always told me if it's always one thing that's been working the all season, why would you change it now? Well, I don't want to hit the home run ball all the time. I want to be able to get runs on the board to make the other team, to make it difficult for them to try to score and win the game. Putting a runner on second base, sometimes you can do that, and sometimes it just takes away the the suspense of it. I feel like every time I watch my team in the the 10th inning, have a runner on second base and have them take the lead and win the game. Yeah, I know, a win's a win. But in a way, I still feel empty because I feel like the win was literally handed right towards us. Like, here, here's a W. Why don't you take it? I miss the times where you're like, get the runner on base, then move him over the second, then move him over the third and score. It feels like it gets that taken away though. But then again, it does add suspense, like the Yankees and Royals game a couple of days ago where the Yankees blew four leads or four save opportunities in four innings. That's wild. But the fact that I'm watching watching in extra innings a runner on second base, that's just really, really annoying. I under, I'm very happy that Rob Manfred is thinking about getting rid of the runner on second base in extra innings possibly next season. I like that. That was something that should have been gone a long, long time ago. As Michael K once said, the circus runner, or because it literally makes the game not enjoyable, by the way. I understand they want to bring in new fans, and I understand the fans are like, oh, dad, dad, this game is so boring, I don't want to watch it anymore. One of my advice that I gave to myself, I will say this, if you do not like baseball, don't watch it. It's like me watching watching cricket and telling them, it's like, this game is boring. I want you guys to change it. I just don't watch it. Don't change the sport because of fans complaining about it. Remember the fans? Man. 
Baseball was different 15 years ago when I first started watching it back in the mid-2000s. Guys like Albert Pujols, guys like Ichiro, A-Rod. It was different. It was fun. Plays at the plate? I love the home plate collision. Yeah, I know that players got hurt. I loved it, though. Yankees and Red Sox? Continuously fighting. I don't see that much fighting happening anymore. I see benches getting cleared, but I don't actually see brawls happening. I don't even remember the last time I actually saw like a really, really big brawl. I think it's time. You allow hockey, you allow fighting in hockey. Why don't we add some fighting into baseball? Bring back the brawls. Make the sport entertaining again. Get rid of the extra runner on second base in extra innings. Also, seven inning double headers. I've I've been on and off about it. I understand with double headers because think of it this way: playing eighteen innings of baseball in one day, that could put a lot on a player physically and mentally too. Just think of it this way: they finish game one, and then by the time that they're done with game one, they only have maybe forty five minutes to an hour. Like, oh man, I gotta play the second game. So I'm kind of like up in the air about that too. Limiting the shifts. I understand shifts are strategic, but you guys got a guy like Joey Gallo who hits a ground ball to the right side into the shift. Could have been a base hit any other time. And he says, expletive the shift. Universal DH. If you want pitchers to stay healthy, a universal DH may be the move. I love watching pitchers hit. Very, very hot topic right there. I understand that pitchers should not be hitting because they always find ways to get hurt, not only while they're batting, but also when they have to run the bases. I remember Ming Wong back in 2008 when he had to run the bases against the Houston Astros, and then he injured his, um, injured his leg, and he was not the same after that season. That was... That was not good at all. Or uh, think of it this way. One of the most entertaining things, say that your team is not doing very well, and a guy like Bartolo Colon, that's right, Bartolo Colon. If you guys are baseball fans, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You won't get moments like Bartolo Colon hitting a home run in San Diego off James Shields in 2016. Personally, that's one of my favorite moments in all of baseball. Bartolo Colon going deep. With the fantastic call by one of my favorite broadcasters, Gary Cohen of the New York Mets, saying the impossible has happened with his voice as high as it possibly be. Because you can't believe what you saw. Baseball, you're going through a lot of changes right now. Some of it's supposed to help the game, and some of it I think is not, not really helping me, but just hurting me even more. I always ask to myself every every day because baseball is part of life for me. I understand there are a lot of needs in life. Food, water, girls for me. But baseball has always been a huge part of me. Baseball is basically a place that I go to if I'm ever having a bad day. Baseball is a sport for me that I go to when I want to learn something new. 
And the fact that I'm able to talk about this right now just makes me incredibly happy. Because you get to see what kind of kind of passion I am. I'm passionate about this game. A lot of people see that I'm passionate about this game. And all I want is the game to go for better. And I don't want the, the game, the love, everything about the sport. From the crack of the bat, to the smell of the hot dogs, to drinking a nice cold beer. I don't want any of that to be different next time I ever ever go to a ballpark. If I could change one thing about that, I wish that it was not as expensive. I went to the Yankee game last month with my dad. I spent about 140 bucks on tickets for right field bleachers. It was about $50 to park the car right outside the stadium. It cost 16 bucks for Blue Point Pinstripe Pilsner. And it cost about 20 bucks to get a couple of hot dogs. Now what is all that about? It's always been like that though. It's never ever going to change. It's only bound to get more expensive as time goes along. But despite the expenses and all that other stuff, it still doesn't change the fact that I love the game a lot. And will never ever change as time goes along. So, that is all I got for you in this episode of Yevin's Takes. We talked a lot about baseball. I guarantee you in my future episodes, we'll talk about a lot of other things. Maybe we'll talk about how much I loathe driving in New York City. Maybe we'll talk about how much I love New England clam chowder as a former New Yorker. Or maybe I'll talk about why Goodfellas is the greatest movie ever. Or why The Sopranos is the greatest show ever. Or why New Jersey will forever hold a place in my heart. You will get all of those coming up soon. This is just the beginning. This is something you get to see a little bit about me. Stick around for the next few weeks or so. Yevans Takes will be up and running again. I will see you guys, and hopefully you guys listen next time. Have a good one, everyone.